Anthony Davis joins a long list of players who cannot stop Nikola Jokic. The next one, Rui Hachimura. We'll talk about the, the Nuggets game one win over the Lakers. Adjustments for game two. All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets. Your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this your first listen. We appreciate you, whether you're an, a sometimeser or one of our everydayers. You guys are so special to us. We appreciate you guys joining us on all platforms, whether you're on YouTube, the best way for you to support the show, hit that like button and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You can join folks like Trippy Collector and Cameron and Tommy and Hurricanes hanging out with us today and Matt Gesner and Malutin, all sorts of folks hanging out with us in the chat segment on YouTube. You can also join us on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five-star reviews. And on Spotify, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. On today's show, we will recap the Denver Nuggets win over the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 1, a dominant first-half performance, a worrying Game 2 performance, uh, or second-half performance. Uh, We will get into the adjustments, the Rui stuff. We'll get into how great Jokic was, uh, how much appreciation I have for what Jamal Murray gave last night, all sorts of stuff on today's show my name is matt moore senior nba writer for the action network he's adam mares director of content for dmvr check out the pre and post game shows before every nuggets game after every nuggets game and in between every nuggets game at dmvr as long as well as great content and the merch store which has just deal and just i mean the stuff is just awesome everything in the merch and to take really that cool. l on the way out making a reappearance love it man yeah love i love it. to see that on the dmvr post game show last night um okay adam so the nuggets go up by 21 points in this one and behind one of the most impressive performances in playoff history from Nikola Jokic in the first half uh the lakers make a series of second half adjustments the nuggets stick to their game plan as we always talk about malone does hold, hold on Jokic's third quarter was better than the first half even so i i to me don't break it into first and second half first three quarters quarter. and then fourth quarter but first three first quarters three and that third quarter in particular was the the top that was yeah. the top floor of the Jokic experience. So I think like maybe this is like uh, the third quarter until Jokic until Jokic went out, and then okay. like the slide started and immediately after he left. Um, big takeaway from Nuggets taking Game One of the Western Conference Finals—the first time, by the way, that they've led 1-0 versus the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Um, big takeaway is that the series is going to be tough, but this was a huge win. I mean, we're going to go over some of the adjustments, you know. LeBron and just his ability to figure out what's going on in any given game and adjust to it and attack appropriately. I mean, is is scary. It's a different level than what we've seen. Even Booker made shots and he did a good job of getting the ball out of his hands. LeBron's ability to set the table, I thought was even, you know, it's a whole different challenge. But through all that, we saw an all-timer from Nikola Jokic and <laughs> it it's no small thing because there's adjustments, Matt, and we're going to talk about some of the other ways. People forget the the worst part about the Nuggets losing to the 76ers in the regular season was that they were up 15 points with 90 seconds to go in the third quarter and shooting a technical that they eventually missed right before any crazy collapse. But that game to me should have been about Joel Embiid, the the 76ers conceding that he can't guard Jokic one-on-one, which is a huge concession. Last night, there's a concession in, I mean, it's just basketball, it's smart, like, but there's this concession in, we thought Davis would at least slow him down. 
And Jokic went on and had one of the best playoff performances of all time in a way that didn't feel like a fluke. I mean, look, some of the shots where that in the third quarter shot was a lucky one. But a lot of what he did was just walk to the spot he wanted to walk to, set the table exactly how he wanted. And so to me, my big takeaway is Jokic is incredible. And game one is really important. We'll get to why in a little bit. But this was a game the Lakers wanted to win. Denver winning it changes the series, even when there's adjustments coming. Yeah. Um, so somebody kind of mentioned this. Justin Calvert says we got to hear uh, about Matt and his theory that the team that makes adjustments first, the Lakers basically show their cards in game one and still lost. Do they show those adjustments too early? No, because they need to win game one. They don't have home court. Like you need to steal one of these two first two in Denver. If this is 2-0 going to, going to Los Angeles, can the Lakers win this series? Absolutely. Does their percentage chance way drop? Yeah. Denver has to win just two of the final, what, five of the, of the series to win then. Like, it's a dramatic difference when you were able to say, like, we need two more games out of five and two of them are at home. But That's don't cool. even go that far. Let's just stuck with game one. The Lakers MO, we talked about this yesterday, but the Lakers MO has been to win game one and take off game two yes. or game manage game two. Yes. By forcing the Lakers now to have to come out and give full effort in game two, because to your point that you falling down 0-2 is real dangerous. That means they're going to have to exert enormous amount of energy at altitude in games one and two. They haven't demonstrated that. That's one of the traits they have not yet demonstrated, even with this good post-All-Star break run. They haven't demonstrated the ability to play every other day at a very high level over and over and over and over again. And that's the one reason why I think that game was so important, no matter how it went down. So as far as the adjustments go? And and actually, let me say one thing. And in a weird way, I I was sitting here game theorying out how game one could go, and I was like, a blowout win would be so great. But then I thought, a blowout win would allow them to rest. This in so in a weird way is is in that specific way could be the best thing in that they sprinted through the finish line to lose. So they ended up actually using the full tank of energy in game one, where if Denver would have just pulled ahead maybe five more points in the start of the fourth quarter, the Lakers maybe fold and nobody ends up playing too many minutes. It's been one of the weird takes I've heard circulate is that the longer the series goes, the more that, that favors the Lakers. I don't agree with that. I think the Nuggets will have more energy at the end than the Lakers. Uh, LeBron and AD went 40 last night, and now they're going every other night. Like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough on both teams. Um, I had a couple yeah. takeaways from last night. My big takeaway, I said this on Twitter, was just like, look, if you thought that the Lakers were going to win this series before game one, you should probably feel about the same. If you thought they were going to win in five, you might want to rethink that. The Nuggets are better than you thought they were. But if you were just like, I think that the Lakers will be able to win the series uh, at some point, whether it's in six or seven, okay, like, Look, they made they made adjustments. They came back. They were within range. LeBron had a chance to tie. You're you're looking pretty good there. If you felt the Nuggets, you're like the Nuggets are better. They should win this series. The Nuggets were better in Game One. They won Game One. They're up 1-0. Teams that win Game One in the conference finals have won about 81 percent of the time. So like, good start, right? Um, the the adjustments pattern is really fascinating. And one of the things that I've kind of come to think about the series is. Malone has more that he can do with the personnel that he uses. So he can do more with one through eight, one through seven, quite honestly, with how bad Jeff is, than Ham can do with one through seven with the Lakers. But Ham has more options to go to to create that seven-man lineup. Like he can take out D'Angelo Russell and then go big. He can put if Jared Vanderbilt's numbers were actually better in terms of impact than uh, Ruiz, which is not to say that Vando played better. He didn't, but it's a sign that like Vando played in the series and the impact was there. They 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 won the ten minutes that he played. So like 
they will find other edges to be able to play different dudes. The questions are going to be about, um, and honestly, a lot of this is also like the things that we've talked about all year. If you're like, the Nuggets are going to win the series because of the things that they're best at. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world. They have more offensive weapons. Um, and they're great at home. All three of those things were true. If you were like, I don't think the Nuggets can win a championship. Why? The bench is too bad and Malone's too stubborn. Both of those things were true in game one as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Malone doesn't like to adjust in, in games if he doesn't have to. And in this game, quite frankly, he didn't have to. They were up by a lot. And I do think there was there's a little bit of that. Now, how stubborn does he go throughout a series? You know, that'll be one thing. I'm very Malone always says I'm not worried about the offense. I always focus on the defense. And I that's one thing that always bothers me because the Lakers Denver was scoring on them at will. And to me, when that dried up is part of when the game got close again. It yes. was like, okay. And so I worry that there's a little bit of a, hey, our offense had a 138 offensive rating in game one. We don't need to worry about it. It's like, no, you need to adjust in real time to some of the things they're doing because the margins matter. I've seen people say, hey, you know, Minnesota did similar things. Minnesota couldn't score. They had a good defense, but they couldn't score. The Lakers can score on Denver as they demonstrated in game one. Now, was that a little hot for them? Well, maybe. I mean, they if we go through just the, the Lakers regression points here, Anthony Davis was one of one from three. Schroeder, two of two. Hachimura, one of one. Lonnie Walker, two of four. Austin Reeves, five of nine. Five of all eight. Of their, all of their shooters shot either 100% or above 50%, which I'm just thinking is probably not super sustainable, but nonetheless, it happened. Yeah, and so um, my, my thought process, kind of where I've come to is, I think the Nuggets' offensive process can actually be better in game two. I think they, they shot great. They played with great pace to start the game. They were getting into their sets early. They got away from all of that late, right? Like people are going to be like, well, it was the Rui stuff. Also, the Nuggets were tired and just started walking the ball up. There was, like, you could see it after the half. They had so much, I, like being in the building, there was so much adrenaline in that first quarter. Like they hit them not with, like, not with a punch, with an absolute, like, Hadouken, right. absolute finishing move. Right. And, the Lakers, but because the pace was so slow, the Lakers were never down that much. Like the Nuggets defense was actually great in that first quarter. Like they were getting stops. It was like, it was like ninth percentile offense for the Lakers and a hundredth percentile for the Nuggets. Right. And then there's a correlation there when they get point, when they score, they can set the half court defense. When they don't score, the Lakers are running and getting them in mid transition and taking advantage of them. Right. So like, there's all these kind of things that, that kind of play out there. Um, on the other side, we'll continue to talk about this game. I want to ask Adam about how to avoid Jamal Murray getting murdered on switches. I want to give Jamal his flowers for a really inspiring performance, given what he's going okay. through uh, health-wise. We'll talk about MPJ's big game, and we'll get into the Aaron Gordon, the, what may be the key to the series. We'll do that on the other side. First thing I tell you about bird dogs. Bird dogs are all about fit, comfort, and versatility. They're absolutely fantastic shorts. They look, you're going to look better and you're going to feel great wearing the bird dogs. Their stretchy fabric makes your legs look great and they're comfier than any other shirts or pants that you're going to find. They give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts or pants on the golf course to a meeting, a date, or hanging out with friends. So uh, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter promo code locked on NBA, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. You're going to find all sorts of great stuff. Check it out at birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. We'll be right back on locked on NBA, locked on nuggets. All 
back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, let's start with Jamal. So Jamal Murray, do we cover Jokic enough? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to like properly encapsulate the, the amazingness of him. I don't know. Like, so 34, 21, 14 with two blocks. It was insane. He missed five shots, Matt. It was ridiculous. It was insane. It was insane. He's so amazing. He's he gets so a, incredible. Here, like, here's one. Here's one take though for you. He's getting better as the playoffs go on. Yeah. And 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 I think that like almost linear, you know, like it just each game just one up. So I know the one thing, the only thing I'll say is that it really has on a long enough timeline, Jokic wins over everyone. I think this is your line. And this to me, like just sitting back reading the timeline of all the biggest haters. I think Van Lathan might be the biggest Jokic hater in the world at the ringer. Yesterday, <laughs> him conceding was kind of one of those like, yeah, guys, like I don't, I don't even feel the need to like dance on anyone's grave for having the wrong take. But it is nice seeing everybody be like, yes, it's not a made up narrative. It's not this. It's this guy really is unique in a way that when you watch him over and over and over again, you realize he dominates everything. It's not he's a good passer. It's not that he's unconventional. It's that he de- de- sets the table on every single thing that happens on offense, gets A-plus shots every time down court for everybody, makes ridiculous shots, and then his defense is a lot better. I mean, how did this – it's underrated, Matt, that the game ended with Jokic stripping LeBron. Yeah. They were still in the game. Now, it was the last little 25 seconds down five, so it's like a death rattle. But Jokic coming up with a steal there is like, yeah, that's he sealed the game. I, I saw a bunch of people say Jokic had a terrible fourth quarter. I actually don't think that's the case. Nuggets missed some shots that he set the table for appropriately given the di- the, the defense, but that was just an all time. I mean, that was an all timer by Jokic, and the I think Nuggets, it's Lakers, reputable to some degree. He's not going to hit set twelve of seventeen tough shots like he did, but the Lakers didn't allow him to dominate in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets did not help him to get them to force them out of it. Like, it was not about Joker in that fourth quarter. KCP Um, had a wide-open three on the way. I mean, Denver got wide-open looks that you look at and go, if you're going to give a steady diet of that quarters one through four, Denver's going to make shots like they did in quarters one through three. Um, Mark Jones and Spike Eskin are your two are your two last ones to conquer. That's the the two people that you got to... The thing is, there's a difference between a doubter and a hater. You can't convert the haters. They hate. The, the, the thing in their heart is hatred. Yeah. The doubters are the ones that you can convert because they're the ones that just don't watch. Um, so I, I want to give credit to Jamal Murray. Yeah, he deserves it. Who I love the way that he played offensively. Murray finishes with 31, 31 points on 12 of 20 shooting, four of eight from three, got up eight three-pointers. That's big. Five boards and five assists in this one. Uh, Murray, they finally revealed it during the game and then after the game. Murray uh, was was when they said that Murray was still sick. Harrison Wind and I were like, "What has he got? Like, what what did he catch? You know?" And then it was revealed he got sick during the Phoenix series, played two games, and then on Saturday caught an ear infection. As somebody that has suffered with those my entire life since I was a kid, they are horrible. I can't imagine the pain of being in an NBA arena even with a lingering ear infection that must have been absolutely miserable he was coughing and like like yeah, he was he was coughing at halftime during his warm up like he was still like Jamal Murray was not healthy in that game and offensively coming off screens b- confidently getting into those shots taking advantage of how the Lakers very by the way stupidly played defense against DHOs they were they looked like they'd never seen a DHO what were the warriors doing 
Um, coming off of those screens clean, making good shots, running in transition, making all sorts of plays. I thought that Jamal Murray offensively was phenomenal in this game. And on the defensive side, the problems are things that I don't think that necessarily we can blame Jamal Murray for struggling with. Those are schematic things that Denver Nuggets are going to have to help him out with. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to your point about how impressive it was of him to get through that, I mean, that was a heck of a performance by him. I mean, Jokic overshadows him so often, but 12 of 20 is nothing is, is incredible shooting yeah. four of eight from three and 31, five and five. So yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a hell of a performance for Murray. And I thought offensively, it was a near flawless decision-making game. I thought yeah. he struck the perfect balance of aggressiveness and and setting the table. So really, really strong game for Murray. Defensively, I do think he got worn down again in this game, and this is part of it. Like, guarding LeBron's exhausting. This is part of why I thought Jokic would have success against Anthony Davis is the size difference is meaningful there, and it's just exhausting to guard somebody bigger than you. Well, Murray was guarding somebody even bigger in LeBron James over and over again. LeBron found his mark. If – for all the talk of Rui and all these different things, one thing is, hey, LeBron knows how he wants to attack the Nuggets, and Denver didn't do anything to stop him. The one thing I'll say is, you're right, Denver needs to provide help, but Malone especially needs to provide help because, to me, the solve for – so just to kind of go over it, they're running rub action, which is guard-to-guard -guard screen, trying to get a, to force a switch. And I know a lot of people will say, don't concede the switch so easy. Guys, they only concede the switch easy because if they concede it hard, it's still automatic and you, they'll score on it. Like teams end up doing that and it looks like, well, why didn't they try to fight through it? Because again, if you do try to fight through it, you're going to be so compromised and then it becomes wide open layups. But nonetheless, the rub action, the, the key for me will be, and there's no perfect solve to any of this, all adjustments. This is why the playoffs are great. Adjustments lead to counter adjustments. You solve one problem by creating another and it's just how quickly can teams exploit the back and forth of those things but to me putting murray taking murray off of austin reeves is one of the keys put him on schroeder put him on a lesser shooter like reeves is very good at just you screen he sprints as far to create as much distance as possible so that that pass creates a long recovery and then he just fires it off right away and last night he was five of nine i believe he was, he was knocking him down if you put it on schroeder that skip pass, Schroeder's going to hit some threes, but he's not going to hit as many as Austin Reeves. And it just allows for a different type of rotation. So for me, the counter will be taking Murray off of the best shooter and putting him on a different type of player because that rub action won't have the same effect. Can you blitz LeBron? Well, that's what you will end up doing is you'll end up not, it's not going to be a blitz because a blitz is a trap. Like you're trying to like scare him into picking up the ball. You're not going to do that. You're just going to wall off with two defenders until Murray can rotate back. So you're basically just saying, LeBron, don't drive on us, two defenders. And then you, once the, the exchange has fully happened and the guy who was on LeBron is able to recover back to LeBron, Murray sprints over. But again, if that's Austin Reeves, it's a quick trigger three. If it's Dennis Schroeder, maybe it's a quick tr trigger three, but I just don't think he'll hit him at the same rate. And I think Denver will live with like like the way the Lakers will live with a steady diet of Aaron Gordon threes, the Nuggets will live with a steady diet of Dennis Schroeder threes. KCP was sensational in this game on both ends. I thought KCP made so many plays defensively, offensively. He was also coming off of those DHOs and just absolutely just killing them again. What, what are the, I don't know. Like That's going to be one of the big adjustments in game two. It has to be. I can't imagine they're going to cover the Nuggets DHO action the same way. They're like going under but not going hard under and just like, I mean, the Nuggets got whatever they wanted with DHO action. I Austin saw, I saw, I think it's, um, he's a really good basketball analyst. Um, Cranjus mixed basketball. Do you know him? Mm -hmm, he runs like yeah. B-Ball Index. 
And I saw his breakdown suggesting the Lakers do that with Murray, go under for various reasons. And I remember thinking, like, I don't think this is right, man. I don't I don't think it's right. Anyway, the Lakers tried it and it was not right. So I'm with you. I there's something in the numbers or something that points that Murray isn't as quite the threat he is from three. He is. He's he's a very capable three-point shooter. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. That's that's not the way to go. KCP was the same kind of stuff. Uh, made a lot of great plays. KCP was awesome in this game. Um, KCP gives them 21 points. He gives 21 points from KCP on top of what Joker's going to give you every night, and you're in pretty good shape. Um, MBJ I thought was great too. Double-double, uh, 15 and 10 for him. Um, he's going to need to play more in the series. I think he's going to get like – Austin Reeves cannot guard him. It's one of the other, I mean, that's gonna be one of the interesting questions as they go bigger is like, okay, is, does now LeBron play MPJ? Is that, is that the adjustment? Cause like they couldn't like re, the, the MPJ was unbothered on those shots. Like the shots that he missed were just misses. They are not bothering him at all. He had clean looks all night. I mean, if they're going to have that defense, like with one of those little guys on him, I mean, yeah, Porter was just getting to his spots and elevating and they were contested shots. But they weren't really. I mean, he just no. he was so comfortable. Right. So I'm with you. One of the things, like, if you want to feel bad about game two for Denver, one of the things is I, I actually find discourse about the NBA hilarious because everybody's been praising Darvin Ham today for finding the Rui matchup that worked, you know, obviously in the clutch. And that was a good adjustment. Starting three small guards was a horrible move. Terrible. That the game. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I guess best of luck. Like the adjustment at the end almost saved the horrific catastrophe that was the opening game plan, which, so I mean, how you phrase that, I'm not trying to pile on Darvin Ham, but that it was to, to me, that's one of the things that I think the Lakers, when everybody talks about the Rui thing, it's the Rui thing, it's the Rui thing. There's so many other things that are going to impact the series in a major way. And one of them is not playing D'Angelo Russell very much because that might be the worst defensive performance I've ever watched in my life. He was getting ISOed by KCP. Has KCP ISOed this year, Matt? No. He was doing it over and over again and getting layups on him. And I was just like, my God, this is the worst of defense. And then on offense, they were down 20, and he would back down, do an eight dribble post moves into a mid-range fallaway. And I was like, who does D'Angelo Russell think he is right now? This is insanity. So part of it is not going to those small lineups, not playing D'Angelo Russell. And Denver got a rhythm in large part because of those two things. So – it's another part of this puzzle where it's like, okay, Denver's going to have to win in a different way in game two than they won in game one. Uh, after the break, we'll talk about the Rui stuff, about the counters for it, about the things that you that aren't as easy to counter for it. I think Adam and I are in the same place on a lot of this. Um, we'll also get into the problems of the bench and those continued issues, what the solves are, if there is one, which I don't think there is, uh, and what that means for the series on the other side. We'll do that when we return on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Final segment. Nuggets up 1-0 in the Western Conference Finals. That's a reason to, for Nuggets fans to be happy. Like, it's part of this is I'm. It's really kind of funny because it's like, so you know, the Nuggets were fa are favored in the series. They have to be. They have home court and they're the one seed. They have to be favored by the books. They will get smashed if they put the the Nuggets as dogs versus the Lakers. Sharps would just beat that into oblivion because they bet on such a long term scale. But like. The national commentary is like, come on, the Nuggets can't. Like, come on, the Lakers are going to win this. Come on, come on. What you think now it is today? Yeah, I think it always has been. I think it has. Been. I think it's, I think it especially is now because but before game one it was like yeah, I think the Lakers are going to take game one and now it's like oh, did you see the adjustment they came back from down twenty one and only lost by three they could have won that game and all these types of things and so like it's the Nuggets still get to play the under underdog card. Um, do you think real quick? Do you think this was an exhausting game? 
I think it was exhausting for both teams being there. I thought both teams were absolutely gassed. I thought like I, as a, from a betting side, you can catch my betting podcast buckets of red action. I had the over in game one and it played out exactly the way I thought it would. I have the under in game two. I think it's gonna be a slog. This is reminiscent of last series, by the way, that was 87, 97 in game two. Uh, all right. So Rui Hachimura guards Jokic. They basically do the exact same thing that the Sixers did. And a couple of teams after the Sixers, the Sixers weren't the only team. Including the Wolves. Yeah, a bunch of teams did this this tactic. Um, there are a number of ways to counter. The popular angle on Twitter, like Seth Partner talked about this, is to run 4-5 pick and roll with AG screening. I don't know that I like that very much. I don't know that I – I don't think that Joker can dribble far enough. Like, he can dribble. But I'm saying, like, you can't create enough space for, for AG to essentially be on short roll – and I don't love AG in the short roll consistently anyway. So I don't know that that's the answer. I don't think spacing him to the corner is the move and being like, and just accepting like, well, he's going to have to make threes. That seems like that's really dangerous. What are your thoughts on the, on how to, to counter the Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic with AD roaming? Because that's the big thing here. It's not, it's not Rui guarding, guarding Jokic. It's Rui guarding Jokic with AD on the weak side, ready to help whenever Jokic engages well first of all I have seen yeah a lot of people say Jokic will figure it out it's really not for Jokic to figure out Jokic will figure out Rui but the question is you have to make Anthony Davis you're effectively saying don't let Anthony Davis double team Jokic like what is the solve there and so really it's a nugget solve not not necessarily a Jokic one I think great point so first of all it, it happened in such a small sample. I think there were only six or seven possessions that we're actually talking about. It feels like more than that, but it was really only six or seven possessions. And Denver came up snake eyes on him in a way that the little drop-offs to Aaron Gordon, that just that fell through. I think they'll actually get some of those in, in game two where – you start the game off, and if Aaron Gordon is getting drop-off dunks, you're going to say like, oh, okay, maybe they've got it solved, when really they're just running the exact same stuff. I do think that you need to move where he is on the court a little bit. Playing him solely in the dunker is probably not it, unless he's going to grab an enormous amount of rebounds. I mean, that's the other thing is there is a level of Jokic spinning, throwing it up, and even if he misses, Aaron Gordon, if AD has to contest it, then AG should be able to get a rebound. Michael Porter should be able to crash. But I do think lifting him up is going to be part of this, playing him less in the dunker, less in the corner, and more a little bit above the break to see if you know, what kind of things you can do there. And then the biggest thing for me is using him as a screener because playing off of him means that you're basically giving a free screener with no help out on the perimeter if he's going to play down low like that. So I think there are things Denver can do. And actually, if you look at the play I'm talking about, the KCP wide open three that would have made this – come back like it, it would have crushed it before it really started kcp missed it it was wide open halfway in halfway out it was aaron gordon lifting up to set a flare screen while ad was hanging out in the corner and it created a wide open shot for kcp i think denver's going to be able to create a lot of wide open kickouts to their best three-point shooters because ad is not in position to step up on those screens can you move ag up top it was the other thing i kind of wondered about if you just space him out to above the break and you get AD out of the baseline. He's not going to. Have- the thing is, he's not going to follow him there, Matt. So you're not going to get it in terms of does AD just go follow him out there, and now the spacing is better. What you're going to get again is AD hanging back, and now he has a farther distance to recover on those screens. 
I'll clip the play to, to, tonight on the list to, to kind of really highlight exactly how compromised AD not guarding Gordon can be when you're using him deliberately. I saw the KCP sequence um, for the three. I saw that one. I forget. I think Steve Jones posted that one. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's the only one I can think of top of mind. So like this is going to have to be like, – I still feel like this is just going to put a lot of pressure on on Gordon. And I just – I talked about like if you if you don't think that Malone can coach the Nuggets to the finals to a championship, this is going to be like the series. Be, and maybe. I mean, finals is another question. But like because to me – you mentioned this on Twitter. Playing MPJ more at four to me is the answer. Like I think that they should go – like try and get the get the Lakers back to playing small and playing MPJ at the four and basically forcing Davis to have to guard MPJ and then being like, good luck with the forty with that forty percent shooter in the corner. Best of luck to you. Um, the thing I, is, what will Denver score against him? Because I see a lot of people saying, "Oh man, the Lakers would cook that lineup." Lakers cook Denver's best defensive lineup. This is at some point you have to make a decision: is our best defensive lineup helping us or not? And I don't know that Denver's going to make that in game two, but released right away. But it is something I would look at to say, hey, we're not getting stops and they're running on us in transition. We need to break this. And maybe you do just say Denver was scoring so comfortably when Anthony Davis had to guard Jokic. Denver was getting whatever they wanted. If you can force that, then I think you can then you're probably going to be able to go punch for punch with them in the clutch. Yeah, I, I will tell you that as resident Malone defender number one, like I'm really concerned. Because I just don't think that I don't think he's going to cut Jeff's minutes. I think he's going to be like, well, Jeff didn't play well, but he'll play better in in game two. No, he won't. And I think that um, there will be this like we believe in Aaron, and I'm and it's not about believing in Aaron. It's like Aaron was instrumental in that Phoenix series. But this is the thing with every single every single team has this. There's one guy that absolutely has to play. That he is so good and he dominates his matchups and he is instrumental. And you figure out whatever you have to for the Warriors. It's Steph Curry. Like, that's who he is. Nikola Jokic is the Nuggets' Steph Curry. That's how important he is and how good he is. And there is never a situation in which you do not want Jokic on the floor. Ever. There's never a situation ever. But everybody else has to be has to be malleable. The rest of the rotation has to be malleable. If you have to put AG on the bench to be like, we're going to just space them out and not let them do this so that Jokic can continue to just dominate one-on-one, that's what you need to do. And I just don't think he'll ever get there because of the defensive side. And by the way, maybe the solve is more as like a Vlatko or a Zeke, a guy who, I mean, I, Zeke's shot is so weird because I just don't know whether I trust it or not. But maybe it's a guy who has the size and defense to at least not be, you know, you don't want to go too small and then you're just getting bullied. Denver's size is an advantage in this. It's one reason why I think Jeff will continue to play is there's just something too like Denver's bigger than them and that's a huge advantage. But if you went to a Zeke or a Vladko in those in those moments, it does negate the oh now we're just going to spread out and attack Michael Porter, or attack this guy or whatever. It gives you an extra defender on the court, but it does become binary because I don't think Anthony Davis is running out at Vlaku Chanchar or Zeke Naji. You are going to get wide open three point corner three point shots from those guys. Do you trust them to knock them down at a high enough rate when they're wide open after not playing for basically eight weeks? Yeah, I mean this That's is a question. Like again. I don't like to get into the revisionist stuff because it just like it doesn't do any good, right? Like, should they have gotten Peyton Watson more minutes? Yes. Should they have gotten Blacko Chanchar more minutes? Yes. Should they have gotten Zignaji more minutes? Maybe, right? But maybe you just trust those guys to be professionals and say, hey, man, what do they always say? You got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's a really tough task for a guy that hasn't played a meaningful minute for seven weeks, but it is the skill set. 
the skill set thing, is what do we do in this moment? My only thing is I think like Malone paints himself into a corner. He doesn't play him because he doesn't think that they give him the best chance to win. And then when, well, we probably need him, but I can't play him because I haven't played him. And he will genuinely, and like he, I will say this, this is genuine. This is not like, he's not like taught. This is not a lie. This is, I do believe he genuinely thinks this. It's not fair for me to put him out there. He hasn't played in six weeks. I'm going to throw him into the Western conference finals versus LeBron and AD. <laughs> right. Like, is that fair to him for his NBA career? Like, is that fair to this guy? Right. Like there is that, that is a, and like fans don't think of it that way. Cause they're just like, whatever the shortest cut is like move to it. Like one of the this reasons isn't, I don't this isn't the shortest cut though. It really is. Sometimes you have to go to, I mean, look again, not to belabor the point, but the Suns went to Jock Landale. The Suns went to some wild, wild yeah, no, other coaches do it and he doesn't. And it's a limitation, but I, I wouldn't be, but also to be fair, Denver's been up in every series. Yeah. So I understand. Well, and this is, this is part of why they didn't switch coverage. Everyone was like losing their minds on why they didn't switch up coverage part of the like i will this is not just like like you could say like malone doesn't even see it come on guys like right, right. really the guy's been around the league for 25 years and this is the second conference finals in four years come on like he sees it the difference here is with your game plan you have to have pain tolerance it's about like okay the that position didn't that position didn't work this like it was a five minute stretch of bad like do you abandon the game plan that you had coming in immediately? Because that's what I, I feel like fans react to is like, that's not working. Stop it immediately. Change everything. Like you got to change it now. And it's like right. coaches have pain tolerance where they're like, okay, yeah, they scored. They're going to score. Like this is the conference finals. Like that's, that's really the attitude that the nuggets have in this series versus the Phoenix series. They were very confident in the Phoenix series. Like you nailed how confident they were going to be in the Phoenix series. This one, there is mu very much like, like, the the all the top like everyone was like but you gave up this big lead and like malone jamal nicola the line was very much like this is the conference finals it's going to be tough we know it's going to be tough like there's an understanding of it and like look i do think that getting back to kind of some big picture stuff i think both teams squandered an opportunity in game one it's one of the reasons i don't think that much has changed from game one is the nuggets had an opportunity to make a, a statement if they had won by 18 and 20 and blown them out if they hadn't had the collapse in the fourth then the conversation today is like, man, okay, maybe maybe they just are way better, right? They squandered that opportunity to make a huge statement. They got the win, but they. Squandered I think, but again, I think it was better, <laughs> just because by nature of them having to use up the energy. Yes. The one thing I'll say is, I think game two now. I'm so curious to see the Lakers' approach, but Denver, if you take game two and go up two games to zero, I just think it puts such a physical and emotional stress on the Lakers. And the Lakers are good. Look, LeBron's never out of it. I you asked me my first takeaway. And my first takeaway was LeBron's so tough, man, because he can adjust on the fly. He's like Jokic. I mean, it's kind of like Jokic and LeBron, their brains being able just to solve in real time whatever you're doing. And to me, that I know Anthony Davis had the 40 point game. LeBron to me was like threat number one for for that game. And it's going to be tough. You're going to have to. The thing I'll say, this happens in every series, but it's going to be especially true here. You're going to have to win every game differently. They're not going to win game one the same way they or get win game two the same way they won game one. It's going to be different. But I think everybody look is looking at the end of that and saying Rui caused Jokic's problem. This or that. Like, first of all, if if Lakers fans really think that Rui is going to stop Jokic, why not sit AD? Give AD a rest. Play AD against the bench. Let Rui go in there and guard guard Jokic and let's see it. Like, that's not it. Denver has seen this defense before. They struggled with it over about a five-minute stretch to close the game. 
I think that there's real reason. I don't want to just completely blow it off and say there's it's not going to have an impact. I think it will have an impact, just not to the level that it had in the fourth quarter. And at the same time, Denver's going to adjust to some of the things that they struggled with, namely Jamal Murray getting switched on to LeBron James. You want to know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like a zone that some teams just like struggle with a zone defense for a few minutes. They, they like, you have to kind of right. figure it out now. Right. Like the Boston Celtics have never figured out a zone, <laughs> So like, that's going to be a big deal in their series versus the heat. But um, that's, something by the way, happen. Denver might need to try some zoning game too. I agree. Um, I mean, they were getting, scored, when you get scored on at a 140 clip offensive rating, you've got to try some things. <laughs> the other thing I'll say is um, you mentioned the game two is not going to be like game one. My concern is that, I agree with you and that offense needs to be the focus for game two and it won't be, it's going to, they're going to focus like they will focus as a team from Malone on down on defense. And they'll be like, we can't, like we were fine. We were playing great defense and we were, we're going to score at will. They can't stop us. We get a, we, we've got to get stops. And that's not the way to think about it. The, the idea is like, no, 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 you score, make them take the ball out of the basket. You get a stop, you run, you get good offense, you score. Oh. Like, that's that's the way to go about this. I am with you 100% on this. And, and like, I don't think it will be, which is why, like, I have a lot of concern about game. It's weird because I have concern about game two, not because the Lakers have figured out the Nuggets. That's ridiculous. I have concern about what this game is going to look like and Denver's ability. But this is, I will tell you, I don't think I've ever been as concerned about a Michael Malone game as I am about game two. That's me personally. I am deeply concerned about Malone's approach for game two. It's going to be one of the stories of the series. I've said this at the very top. I retweeted it today. The thing that concerns me is I think some of the solves for this are things Malone specifically hates to do. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, you might be forced to here. And, and, and so I'm a little concerned, but we'll if see. He, if he's stubborn, they're going to lose. He's got to be malleable. You have to be. This is the conference finals. It's LeBron. Um, um, all right, let's get right up for Locked On Nuggets. Nuggets take a 1-0 series lead. Thanks That's a big win, though. I don't want people to undersell it. That was an important win for the Nuggets. Yeah, it's just this series is gonna is gonna be tough. The like I said, if you like, I have the Nuggets in six. I still have the Nuggets in six. I think they're gonna win the series. Like I am not less confident or more confident. I'm exactly the same level of confident. Right? Like lots of stuff to to kind of go through. We'll talk about more tomorrow. We'll get reactions from practice. We'll talk about we'll preview game two as we're going every other day now. In the conference finals, uh, we'll see you back here again tomorrow on Locked on Nuggets.